So two more, two more Sundays on the sovereignty of God. And these next two Sundays are going to be very practical. It's what you can take from the sovereignty, the reality of the sovereignty of God and apply it as soon as you walk out these doors. Okay? So that's what makes uh, studying the Bible so exciting is you get to take it, you get to use it, you get to apply it in your life and let it benefit you. Uh, the verse that we read at the very beginning of several weeks ago, Second Chronicles 20, verse 6, says, You, is talking about God, you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Sovereignty of God. No one can withstand God. Did you hear that? There's not a soul in this world, there's not an army in this world, there's not a country in this world that can withstand our God. That's the sovereignty, the power of God. And we can't forget that. But today, we're going to be answering this question of, uh, or, or broaching this topic, God's church is supposed to establish God's sovereignty. God's church is supposed to establish God's sovereignty. So when a, a marriage is on the brink of disaster, we're to establish God's sovereignty in that situation, and we're going to talk about that. Or if someone's going off the rails on drugs, God has called us, the church, to establish God's sovereignty in that situation. Or if a law is about to be passed that's ungodly, the church is supposed to stand up and, and you know, basically stand against that law being passed. God wants us to establish his sovereignty here on this earth. That's practical. That's something that we can start doing right here, right now. And I want to kind of walk through this with you today. Several scriptures as is usual. Philippians 3.20. Philippians 3.20. That's in the New Testament. But, but our citizenship, the church's citizenship... The Christians in this world uh, is in heaven. Am I an American citizen? Yes. But first, I'm a citizen of heaven. Do you hear that? My identity, yes, is American, American. But you know what my first identity is? Is I'm a Christian. I might have a political affiliation, but that's not nearly as important as my Christianity. Do you hear that? I might have a certain skin color, but that's not nearly as important as the fact that I'm a born-again Christian. Nothing is as important as my identity in Christ Jesus. All right? So my, my citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we can be uh, like his glorious body. Did you hear that? Who, listen to this statement, who by the power enables him to bring everything under his control. Do you have an out-of-control situation? Think about it right now. I can't control this. I have a person I can't control, a loved one I can't control, a habit I can't control. The Bible says that God is able to bring everything under his control. Amen. Bringing his sovereignty into your out-of-control situations. That's what we're talking about today. So, what is God's sovereign desire now in the present? We talked about what happened in Genesis for three weeks. We've talked about God's sovereignty. How does it apply to you right here, right now? 
Well, Ephesians 3.10 and 11 is a game changer. It changes everything if you really focus in and hear what it's saying. And it says this, God's intent is that now, right now, right here, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. That's sovereignties, evil sovereignties in this world, according to his eternal purpose that he has accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. What is this verse saying? It's here and now, God has chosen you and he's chosen me to, to establish God's sovereignty irrespective of demonic forces or selfish people. He's called you and me to establish God's sovereignty on this earth. And if it comes into conflict with what other people think, so be it. Now you say, well, that sounds pretty militant. You better believe it's militant. Christians need to become more militant in this world. That's what we're talking about. So you say, well, that's just one verse, Steve. To Give me another one. Well, I could give you a host of them, but listen to this one. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 9, it says, Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. The sovereignty of God come down. Your sovereign will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if that's not kingdom activism, I don't know what is. We've heard of environmental activists. You hear of animal activists. You hear of this and that activists. We're to be kingdom activists. Are you saying to go out and start, you know, storming abortion clinics and doing this, that, and the other? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about activism on our knees, praying to God that his will would be done, as this verse describes. There's nothing more powerful. In fact, I was telling this to one of the inmates' mothers that was there. She was sitting with her son, who's, a, as they call him, offender uh, in, in the prison system. They're offenders. So she was sitting with her, her son and her son's daughter. That would be her granddaughter. They were the threesome just sitting there. As she was so open to the gospel, absolutely amazingly. So I got to talk to her afterwards. And... Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to remember what I was going to say about that. Oh, that's what it was. I told her, I said, she started telling me about what her son had done and had gotten into trouble. And she said, but I think he's turning a corner. And she said, I'm praying. And I stopped her and I said, you know what the most powerful prayer in the world is? A mother's prayer. A mother's prayer. When a mother prays for her child, that is the most powerful force in this universe most powerful force in this universe is a mother's prayer. And so we pray, God, your will be done in that child's life. I don't care if they're an addict. I don't care if they're rebellious. I don't care if they're turning their back on you. I'm praying that your sovereign will would be done in their life anyways. That's powerful. That's taking God's sovereignty and saying, I'm going to get it done right here, right now. Now, you might be someone who's trying to get rid of your medication. You're tired of the 30 prescriptions of medication that puts you to sleep, that takes you out of your pain, that reduces your depression, whatever it is. Maybe that's your issue. I challenge you to take your medications, put them on that counter, and say, God, I'm going to start establishing freedom from these things right now. I'm going to consult my doctor. I'm not telling you to go do anything dumb. But we've had people in this church dump their medications down the toilet, and they've been set free. 
All right. I'm talking about taking God's sovereignty and establishing it right there in your kitchen, your bathroom, wherever it is, and saying, God, I pray that your sovereignty would come in. Help me to sleep at night. Give me peace at night. Let me stop having these crazy anxiety attacks that I have. You know, get me over the addictions that I have. I want to be set free in the name of Jesus. You're establishing God's sovereignty in your life right here, right now. Do you understand where I'm coming from? It's God's choice. Listen to this. It's God's choice to establish his sovereignty here on earth through his church. Now, I'm not talking about a church building. The first thing that comes to mind when we say the word church is a church building. Oh, I go to church or I do church or what have you. I'm not. That's not the church that this is talking about. This is talking about the gathering of believers together. And when we gather together, that's referred to in the English language as the church. We're the church. You're the church. I'm the church. And together we constitute the church. And so we need to take this statement. I'm taking God's sovereignty. The church is to establish God's sovereignty in this earth. Let's make it a little bit more personal. You need to take God's sovereignty and establish it in your world today. Stop waiting on someone else to do something. Start taking the bull by the horns and saying, this verse says his intent is that now through the church that the manifold wisdom be made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose that's in Christ Jesus. I am going to start establishing God's purpose in my family's life right here, right now. I'm going to do it in my workplace. I'm going to do it with my neighborhood. I'm going to do it everywhere I go. I'm going to be used of God. He wants to do it through you. Are you going to be standing around any longer? Or are you going to become a part of the solution that God has for this world? If you don't, listen to this. If you don't pray, bad things are going to happen. Do you hear me? If you don't pray, bad things, evil things are going to happen. But if you pray, you start seeking God, and you start saying, God, I want you to establish your sovereign will in this messed up world that I live in, He's going to start doing it. You have that kind of power and influence with God Almighty and in this world right here, right now. I am my brother's keeper. (laughs) If I don't pray for my brother, bad things could happen to him. Who's my brother? Every single one of you guys. That's why Tina and I pray for you, and I hope you pray for me. (laughs) We need to be praying for each other because good things will happen when you pray. And I'm not talking about praying the rosary. I'm talking about praying to God Almighty in a personal, intimate way. Not rambling without thought, but saying, Jesus, I need your help in this situation. Can you please help me? God's going to help you if you will start talking to him and if you'll start listening to him. All right, so who is responsible for God being brought back into our school system? Who's responsible for that? I am. You are. How? Praying for our schools. Saying, God, I invite you. I don't care what our goofy politicians did 30 years ago, 50 years ago. I want you back in my school. God's going to come back in the school if you'll invite him. So take your school. Take the school you work at. Take the school that's closest to your neighborhood. Start praying, God, I invite you back into that, into that school. It's crazy. In the prisons, hey, we can talk about Jesus until we're blue in the face. 
we can talk about what God does and all the miracles he does without any hesitation or any kind of people telling us not to do it. You try to do that in the school, you're going to get in trouble. But more and more, we're seeing Christian clubs popping up in the schools for the students. We're starting to see an influential teachers praying over their classrooms. Why don't you and I start doing the same thing? It's our responsibility. God has said, I want to work through the church. I'm not going to work independent of people. I'm going to work through people. God wants to use you and me. Whose responsibility is it for this opioid epidemic that we have of people? And remember, being in L.A., I can't remember if I was with Ben, ben Comos, if that was the time we went together or not. But we were stopping this gas station in, in L.A., and here's these zombie-like guys just walking around, you know, uh, drooling all over themselves. They're, they're hopped up beyond all measure. And you know what? It's, it's our fault that our country has gotten into this mess that we're in. It is. When are we going to get down on our knees and we're going to say, God, in the name of Jesus, we want to establish your sovereign reign all the way from New York to L.A., all the way from Louisiana up into Montana. I want to see God's established sovereignty here on earth. You don't have to pray for five hours. Start whispering prayers to God Almighty for the things that you're concerned about and see his sovereignty established in those areas. It's our fault that there's so much child abuse. It's, it's our fault there's so much abortion. It's our fault that, that there's so few people that know who Jesus is. It's our fault that there's racism and, and discrimination. It's our fault that there's no sanctity in marriage anymore. It's our fault. Why don't we start praying that God's sovereignty start making a change in our world? He will do it. He's waiting on you and he's waiting on me. Let's continue on. The church, that's that I can't speak Greek to save my life, but I can try. I know how to say church in, in Spanish. Do you? How do you say church in Spanish? Iglesia. Iglesia, right? Well, I think it's somewhat pronounced like this, Ecclesia in Greek. All right, that's what the New Testament was written in Greek. And that simply meant, as I mentioned, the gathering of believers. The Bible tells us that if two or three come together in God's name, in Jesus' name, that he's there with them. And he says if two or three agree concerning anything, that God will do it. Now that's some raw sovereign power available to us to say, God, in the name of Jesus, I know that you don't want untold millions of babies got killed before they're born. I know that. I know that's not God's will. And so I'm going to start praying against it, you know. And I know that young girls and young boys shouldn't be abused at such an early age. They never should be abused. I'm going to start praying against that. And I'm fed up with this human trafficking that seems to be growing with momentum more and more. I'm going to start opposing that in my prayers and saying, God, I resist that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in his sovereignty. I'm not going to stand up for it. In Matthew 16, 18, it says, uh, he, Jesus speaks to Peter. He says, I'm going to build my church. You know what? And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. We can turn a blind eye to the ever-growing evil in our country, or we can confront it and say, you know what? God, you build your church, and we're going to stand against these things. I don't care what it costs us. We're not going to put up with them anymore. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, as he was about to be taken up, exalted up into heaven, to ascend into heaven, Jesus said to his disciples, all authority 
where in heaven and on earth has been given to me. <laughs> now you go. You go and you go make disciples of people. You go tell them the love of Jesus. You go share the power of God in people's life. And he says, I'm going to be with you until the end of the age if you do that. You go. Stop holding back. Stop being a pure warmer, a, a church goer, and start being a doer of the gospel. Be a Christian, a Christ-like person, imitating Christ. What would Jesus do? And go do it. Amen. Go do it. Say, well, I've been hurt in church. Well, get over your hurt. <laughs> Stop it already. Move forward. Move beyond it. If Christians hurt you, well, good luck. They've, they've hurt me as well. We hurt each other all the time. It's not about feeling perfect for the moment to be right for us to do what God's told us to do. You go in spite of your hurt. You go, God's going to use your hurt. He's going to use your past to touch people's lives who might be able to identify with what you've gone through. Be who God wants you to be. God doesn't want us just to make a little dent in the problem. He wants us to obliterate the problem. <laughs> There was men back in the, what is it, 1600s, I can't remember. They got rid of slave trade in England. They just stood up. It took them decades. They stood up and they got rid of it. Caused a civil war in the United States. You get rid of it. You do what it takes. You, get act, you, you have an activism mind and say, I'm coming against this because it's hurting people. I don't like it. I want to do something about it. And on your knees is the best place to do something. God will reveal to you strategies of what you can do to take care of the problem. Amen? He has a solution for these raging forest fires that we're seeing in California. God has a solution. We should be praying for the state that is going through so much. This state is on the brink of disaster. Financial disaster, political disaster, natural disaster. Every disaster you can imagine seems to be taking place in that state. All along the, the West Coast, the homeless population is exploding, taking, literally taking over cities. Do you think God wants that to be that way? Do you think God wants these states to be impoverished? Does he think you think he wants you to be impoverished? No, he doesn't want you to be impoverished. Let's start getting down on our knees and start praying. God turned the tide in the state. Amen. Not only that, in Seattle, Portland, the whole, the whole West Coast, man, seems to be falling apart. We need to be praying. We need to be praying. God, your sovereign will be established in this place. Ridiculous politics that we hear about every day. I don't know about you. I was like Brother Jimmy's like, I am so sick and tired about hearing some of these things. It's ridiculous. We need to pray against ridiculousness in politics. It's destroying our country. The incessant violent shootings, the tragic decline in education of our children. My goodness, kids graduating from high school not even knowing how to read. What's wrong with our country? We're wrong with our country. The church has not stood up the way that it's supposed to stand up. And it's incumbent not on a group, but on each individual to do the things that they should be doing, such as Sister Kay with Shield of Badge. She's doing her part. What am I doing? What are you doing? Let's do our part to change our world. We can do it. It's complexities with the immigration policy, my conscience. Why can't we need God's sovereignty in our country? You know, to come fix our problems. But if we don't start praying, things are going to go from bad to worse. 
bad to worse. Well, what about Jesus? What part does he play in all of this? Well, he's the sovereign one. We need to start acknowledging his sovereignty in these situations and over ourselves personally. You know what? You can't ask God to sovereignly do something in someone else's life until you let him do something in your own life. It's time for us to get our house in order. All right. Let him fix us. And then we can begin to be used to fix other situations. But if we can't, if we won't even listen, if somebody comes and tells you, hey, you know what, you got a blind spot here. You know, you're, you're messing up. Can't, we, shouldn't we listen to our brother and sister who comes and points something out to us? Are we so prideful that we can't even accept when somebody shares something with us? We've got to get, we've got to be humble. We've got to be pliable. But listen to this. In Colossians 1.15, the son... That's the son of God, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. There's so much to be said there. Evolution didn't create you. Monkeys didn't. They're not your forefathers. God is your father. He created you. There's, it takes more faith to be an atheist or an evolutionist than it does to be a Christian, all right? Furthermore, it says visible and invisible. Uh, please don't think that there's not the spiritual side of things in this world. Of course, there's good, there's evil, and there's a spiritual underpinnings to either one of those sides. We have to be aware of spiritual things uh, demons yes there's demons of course there's demons of course there's angels of course there's heaven of course there's hell absolutely the minute we start denying those things we we uh, erode the truth and the reality of who god is all right but it says the invisible in, or, or visible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all have been created through him and by him yes god even created the devil <laughs> all right god even created the devil everything has been created by him and for him and he is the head of the body listen this is where i'm getting to jesus is the head of the body the church i'm not leading this church god's leading this church if god tells me to get out of the way i'm getting out of the way all right if he tells me to pass something on to you, I'm going to pass something on to you. If he tells me to go start a, you know, do a prison ministry on yesterday, I'm going to go do, I prayed at length, God, do you want us to do this? Do you want us to do this? And finally, he just opened the door and almost forced us into it. All right? That's what you need to do. Let God be sovereign over your life. Stop making your own decisions. And we're going to get into that in just a second. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him in other words all the fullness of god dwell in jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things and there's so much to be thought about there but uh there's not enough time in fact there's not gonna be enough time to go much further here but we'll go on just a little farther it says so so what do you call the church which god um what do you call the church through which God enforces his sovereignty here on earth? What do you call the church? Well, the answer to that is found in many places, but in Matthew 3, 2, Jesus said, as he started his earthly ministry for those three some odd years, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, or is, is at hand. What is, what is the church? The church is the visible kingdom of heaven here on earth. That's, that's profound. 
we're, we're here as a body of believers, and we're claiming Jesus as our king. All right? Now, Jesus fortunately told us, hey, make sure that you're paying attention to your president and your Congress and your local law enforcement. So we're not, we're not that type of people that's going to rebel against an earthly group so that we can claim that we're serving God. That's, that's really neat. That's not how it works. But Jesus is our king. And this body of believers, we're claiming Jesus is our sovereign. And we're going to start establishing his sovereignty in our day-to-day lives. Amazing thought there. But the church, somewhat, is the visible kingdom of heaven here on earth. If the church is not having miracles, people are going to scratch their heads and think, well, why? Is it just a social club? Is it what, What's the purpose here? God wants to show his sovereign power through us, through signs and wonders. People getting healed. Depression being taken out of people's minds, bipolar disorders fixed, marriages repaired, children's hearts turned back to their parents, and the parents' heart turned back to the to the children. It broke my heart at this this uh, prison outreach. I saw one guy. Everybody else's families were real tight, but back in the corner was one father with a teenage son, and they just weren't clicking. It just broke my heart. I, I pray that somehow their time together kind of got the ball, kind of got the ball rolling. But can you imagine the feeling of a son whose father's in prison, maybe the shame or, or the disappointment, what have you, and it was visible. It was visible, but God wants to turn relationships around. He wants to turn, turn relationships around. So I'm trying to figure out where I should stop here. <laughs> um, Oh, such a bummer. So many good things to say, but not enough time, right? I, I, I would keep going, but it's literally it's like another 30 minutes, and it's already past 12. So, <laughs> well, I, I'll say just a couple more things, but I, I won't go all the way because I don't want to. There's nothing worse than a long-winded speaker. It just used to drive me crazy. I was like, you know, Emerson's age over here and thinking, oh, my goodness. It wasn't my dad. My dad had this, he had this policy uh, he told me once, I'll never forget him, he said, you know what, if you can't say it in 20 minutes, you shouldn't say it at all. <laughs> so let's end there.